You now tuned in to the Gunk Town Podcast. I'm your boy Doug B. We ain't got nothing to talk about, but we got something to talk about. Let's go. Good people, good people, good people. Welcome back to the Gump Town Podcast, episode 124. I'm your boy, Doug B. If you tuned in to this podcast, thank you for your time and your attention. I really appreciate you giving this podcast a shot. Today's guest is the founder and owner of Precision Skin and Beauty, LLC. I'm looking forward to this conversation, and I'm sure we'll all be inspired by our story. Let's chop it up with Simone Davis. Simone, how's it going? Going good. How about you? Glad to hear that. All is well on my end, too. First things first, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chop it up with me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Of course, here to talk about Precision Skin and Beauty LLC and all the great things you're doing with the business. But before we talk business, let's get to know the woman behind the brand. So I read that you're born and raised in Montgomery. What was your upbringing like coming up in the gump? So, yes, I was born and raised in Montgomery, but we ended up moving out to Pike Road when I was, like, in elementary school. And so my upbringing was good, was raised in the church. Um, majority of my family is in Montgomery. Um, so that's pretty much it. Very family-oriented family growing up. Okay, sounds good. So you went to church. Sounds like you had that good village around you, keeping you on the straight and narrow. Oh, yes, I did. I <laughs> did. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's amazing. So just in terms of high school, which high school did you graduate from? Um, I went to Brubaker Technology. Oh, you went over there with the smart kids. Go, okay. See, everybody went else would get up in brew tech like that. Yeah, I was. Look, I was raised up in the magnet school ever since elementary school up to high school. So. Okay. Okay, cool. That's great. So you graduate from brew tech and you go on up the road to Tuskegee University, better known as TU. Yes, what was sir. That? You know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> what was the HBCU experience like for you? had a good time at Tuskegee. Um, it's nothing like being surrounded by people that look like you. Uh, it was just a good all-around good time. You know, I love going back for homecoming. It's just like one big family reunion, seeing everybody that I went to school with, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, I know you've heard about Tuskegee's homecoming. They're one of a kind. You won't <laughs> get a homecoming like that at any other HBCU. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, I've definitely heard about Tuskegee homecoming, and y'all have a ball up there. I, I um, I went to Alabama State, so so we we're we've been we played you off a of homecoming for years, and we just mm-hmm. got an official homecoming a few years ago. So we're trying to catch up, but yeah, to you, y'all always been rocking and rolling. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, so just in terms of on campus activities, did you get involved in any organizations while you were at TU? Well, I pledged Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated in spring of 2016. Um, other than that, not really involved in any other organizations. Um, I was part of the Soda Club, which is the Student Occupational Therapy Association. So I was pretty active in that. I held the community service chair. And that's pretty much it as far as campus organizations. And I was in a part of like the bioethics committee too in the dorm that I stayed in. I got pretty involved with some things that they were doing as well. That's about it. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So you got a chance to pledge, got a chance to have the TU, the HBCU experience, and I, I'll tell you, and I'm pretty sure you're going to test it, is it's just cool to be from Alabama but meet people from all over, East Coast, yeah. West Coast, Midwest. And we all just come together, and with all our differences, it just makes for some great lifelong memories. Yeah, it does. Uh, Tuskegee had a lot of Cali, a lot of West Coast people. So I always say, really, Tuskegee was 
half a Tuskegee was from California. <laughs> I can believe it. Now that's great. So you go on to graduate from TU and did you get your, your bachelor's in occupational therapy? So the way that the Tuskegee Occupational Therapy Program works, you do kind of like a feed-in program. So I really don't have an undergrad degree. I went straight to my master's. So my first three years was like undergrad. And then the last two years I was in my grad program. Wow. Talking about next level. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it, was, it was a blessing, honestly. It really was a blessing. Wow, that's amazing. Like, yeah, you um, can't beat that. You really can't beat it. Now you can't. And I just hearing you talk about it, I'm pretty sure just that curriculum was pretty intense going from undergrad to grad level classes. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was. It was intense. I'm a book girl, though, so I stayed in my books. Hey, that's what it's so all it about. Not too bad of a transition because I was already... Just studious. I had my full rides. I had to keep my scholarship long. Yeah, I know that's right. Cause TU ain't cheap. I've heard. It's all, listen, it is not. It <laughs> is not. That's amazing. So you're going to get your master's in occupational therapy, and after getting your master's and graduating, were you able to go right into working into your field? What was that transition like coming out of school? So really, I came out into my field right when COVID hit. Mm. So it kind of put me on the. Uh, with finding a job because, you know, I didn't want to be surrounded by COVID because, no, you know, nobody knew what it was. And all you heard was like people were dying. And so I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to be surrounded by that. So they kind of put me on edge a little bit. But I ended up finding a job in Montgomery in the early intervention um, arena. I was working at Project Wiggles and Giggles. And we were online for quite a while before we started doing in-person visits. So I started wow. my job in the middle of COVID. Wow. I can only imagine, like you said, just being nervous during that time because none of us knew what it was, to your point. It was just yeah. every time you turn on the news, people were passing away and it was just yeah. very uncertain. Just the, the role you work in, I'm pretty sure like being in person is much more effective than being online. But it sounds like you were able to pivot and get it done during the pandemic. That's what it's all about, making adjustments. Yeah. And it was a big adjustment. I do think I learned a lot just about communication and learning how to get your point across and learning how to explain things differently to different people. So I will say that it was tough. I remember, I still remember my first visit that I did virtually. It was a rough one. And I tell people that all the time, like, you know, it is definitely a learning, a learning curve, jumping into your career first thing and then to have to do it virtually. But, you know, I got it done. I got the hang of it eventually. And that's what it's all about. It's all about life, just about going through and just learning, making adjustments. And it sounds like you're able to do it. You can't write out into the workforce after getting your degree, which is a, a blessing in itself. You earned a degree and you definitely earned the job that you ended up landing. But I, I think it's great that you were able to get into your field because not everyone is as fortunate to be able to go right into their field. It takes a couple of years to actually break into it. So. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of when you were at TU, did you did you have a, a great relationship with your, your guidance counselors? Like who helped you make the transition from college to being able to interview well and land that role? Uh, honestly, my parents played a huge role in it. Um, my line sister, she was a class ahead of me. And so I reached out to her a lot. Um, and honestly, I would say they were the biggest influences. And then um, one of my CIS clinical instructors, I reached out to her a lot to kind of help me with the matriculation um, through like basically completing grad school and finding a job. And she was actually the one who told me to kind of look at the state positions. And so that's how I ended up landing my first job. 
in the OT field. So between my parents, you know, the guidance of my CI slash mentor and my line sister, who I would consider a mentor too. So between all of them, I, I made it through. That's what I'm talking about. Leveraging those relationships and leaning on parents, line sister who had already gone before you. That's what it's about. We can't do it by ourselves. It takes a mm -hmm. village at all levels. It really does. It really does. And my sister, too. My sister, she was already in the workforce and she also graduated from Tuskegee. So I was reaching out to her a lot and talking to her about any advice that she has to give. So, okay, sounds good. That's, that's a great story, great background. So let's talk about precision skin and beauty. What inspired the name? So when I was in institution school, my classmates would always tell me that I, like when it comes to certain things, I was just very precise. Like I would just take my time with it. And so I kind of kept that in mind. And then I was actually on a walk with my boyfriend at the time. And we, I don't know what we were talking about, but we were talking about something. And he just said the word, it was either precise or precision. And I was like, that's it. Precision skin and beauty. That's what I'm gonna go with when I actually start my business. So between like my classmates and aesthetic school kind of telling me that I'm just very particular and specific about certain things, and then going on that walk with my boyfriend, it just came to me. Okay, that's great. Precision. Very organic way. Okay. I'm sorry. Um I didn't mean to cut you off. You said it just <laughs> came to you. My bad. Uh-huh. No, you good. Yep, it just came to me. Okay, that's great. Very organic way. The name came about. So just in terms of services you offer, what you got going on over there? So the services I offer, I'm offering mini facials, which is just a quick express facial. Um, I do recommend that for like people who don't really know what they're about to get into or if they're just not a big skin big skincare girl. They just want a quick freshen up. Um, that's my suggestion for that. I also offer basic facials, which is a good introductory facial for those individuals who aren't quite into that skincare routine and just need somewhere to start. Um, Dermaplane, which that's a really big service that everybody loves and knows about. Uh, one of my favorite services to do, I do offer that along with microdermabrasion. And microdermabrasion is just use a, an equipment, a facial equipment to just exfoliate the skin. And it helps with acne scars, dark spots, wrinkles, hyperpigmentation, and then backsuals, which is just a facial for the back, which is one of my favorite services. And I believe it's an underrated service as well. I love to give backsuals and I also like to get a backsual. Um, I also offer that. Okay, good stuff. So just skincare, excellence through and through. That's amazing. Sounds like you got a lot of great things going on uh, over there, precision, skin and beauty. And I also read that you were inspired to start this company just dealing with your own uh, eczema and it just struggles, or the, uh, uh, just skin struggles of that nature. I think that's amazing that you basically took a problem that you were having and you, you figured out how to solve your problem as well as other people's problem and service the city. I think that's amazing. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, struggling with my eczema was a big thing. Like I've literally had it since I was in elementary school and it got really, really bad. Like I would say it hit its peak, its peak in college where it just was the worst. Um, it was just all over my arms, all over my hands. And it got to a point where my daddy was like, you need to go to the dermatologist because I was just dead set against going to the dermatologist for whatever reason. But I went and my dermatologist was able to put me on a um, shot and it cleared me right up. And ever since then, I was like, you know, I just want to be able to, for one, help myself and help others. 
um, take care of their skin. And, you know, nobody wants to take a shot for the rest of their life. So if I can definitely find a way to kind of help eczema on a basic level without having to go and get shots, that's definitely something I would like to do. Yeah, definitely understand. And that's, that's great. Appreciate you sharing that, that story, that background. So occupational therapy and, um, esthetician. Yeah. My bad. If I, I, I messed that word up, can't say that five times fast. So how different, how different are those two fields, occupational therapy and what you're doing now in skincare? Um, they are different, but they are also alike. Um, the number one way that I would say they are alike is just the holisticness of it all, looking at the whole person and not just one part of their life. Um, I'm sure there are other overlaps with it as well. I just haven't figured out quite how it will relate to me just yet, other than just that full holistic looking at the whole person. Uh, and so just a little tip that I want occupational therapy is because a lot of people are unaware of what it is, you know. Um, they hear occupational therapy and they think we're about to help you get a job, but that's not the case. <laughs> so, <laughs> so really what occupational therapy is, we focus on like an individual being able to function through their daily activities in life. And so an uh, example that I really like to give to kind of just make it relatable is if an individual had a stroke, um, you know, they lose the ability to use part of their body. And so occupational therapy will, will come in, we'll look at that individual as a whole. We like to figure out their activities that they like to engage in. So if they like to golf, we'll start to make interventions that address their ability to get back into their day-to-day -day activity of golfing. And we also look at their ability to dress themselves, brush, them, brush their teeth, you know, do those everyday things that we all literally get out the bed and do. But if you were to have a stroke or just, you know, even be in a car accident, we're suddenly not able to do those things. So we work on rehabilit rehabilitating that individual. And for me, I work with kids right now. I'm a pediatric occupational therapy. And so what we do, we work on kids just being able to play. You know, play is a big, big part of working in the pediatric community when it comes to occupational therapy. And we try to get them to do like very just basic stuff imitating vertical lines, um, learning how to cut with scissors, working their way up to being able to draw shades, to do puzzles. And then we also focus on what the family may want as well when it comes to kids. So it's really, it's a lot. Like occupational therapy truly does a lot. And it's hard to just say in one sentence what it does because it's so broad. Like we touch a lot of areas in people's lives. Wow. Now that's great. Like just the range of skill set that you have working with occupational therapy, working, helping people improve their quality of life, their mobility, things of that nature and what you're doing on the skin care side. I think that's, that's great that you have that, that range. And I appreciate you for breaking down the differences as well as describing how they're similar. Like, I, th I think that's amazing. It just sounds like you have a knack for helping people. Yeah, I do enjoy helping people and I enjoy my job. I love working with my babies and I'm ready to get my skincare up and going so I can help individuals with getting their skin to where they want it, addressing their needs and concerns. Ma'am, that's good stuff. So whenever I have entrepreneurs on the platform like yourself, I like to talk about three things, the aha moment, action, and audacity. So I know your aha moment to start the company was just I, I realizing you had your struggles and you wanted to help others. So from the time you first had your aha moment to when you took action to coming up with a name and a logo, how long did that take? Um, actually, I would say it took about a year. It took about a year because I came up with my name 
a year ago, closer to when I was like graduating esthetician school. Uh, shortly after I graduated esthetician school, I jumped back into the workforce because I was about to, you know, life life was lifing. <laughs> <laughs> I was moving. I was about to get kicked off my folks' insurance, you know, because I was turning the age where you get kicked off your insurance, mm -hmm. your parents' insurance. I was like, you know, I got to go. I got to go to work. I got to start back working again because when I went to school, I wasn't working full time anymore. So I just kind of hopped back into the workforce, which kind of slowed me down with taking my um, it's my boards for my institution. And so I eventually took my boards and then got licensed. I was going my um, the lady that does my nails, me and her had been talking. You know, she knew that I was in institution school and that I had recently just got my board, got licensed and took my boards. And so she was like, you know, hey, I really want to do a she wants to have a person that does facials in there. And so that was a really big opportunity. She's really the reason that I'm able to <laughs> kind of do what I'm doing right now because she opened up the door for me to have a, a spa space. Uh, and her business is Odyssey Wellness. If y'all are ever looking to get your natural nails done, definitely go to Odyssey Wellness. You'll love her. Um, she's great. And she's also black owned. So that's a good place to go. And then you can hop on over and get you a facial soon. So it took about a year for me to actually get precision skin and beauty up and running. Okay. And so it's only been, you know, I started in October, so it hasn't even been that long. It's been about three or four months. Okay, that's good stuff. And we all know how fast a year flies by, so that's not long at all. So you got mm -hmm. right to it, got started, came up with the name. And the last portion, audacity, is one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to act on it. It's another thing to put it out to the world to be praised or criticized. Who or what gave you that courage, that audacity to put precision skin and beauty out to the world? I would have to say my daddy, for sure, kind of lit that fire underneath me. Like, come on, you know, you may not have this opportunity. You need to jump on it and go ahead and do it. And he's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur man himself. And he always has been. So I would definitely say he was one of like the driving forces behind me actually going ahead and getting it done. That's good stuff. Love to hear it. Pop said, go on, get to it. Don't don't play around. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's amazing. Glad to hear stuff like that. So doing great things with precision skin and beauty. And I know great things are coming down the pipeline, which leads to my next portion, vision. What are some of your short-term and long-term goals for the business? Um, My short-term and long-term goals. So I would definitely say my short-term goal for right now is just to continue to build my business up. Um, and continue to develop my skins, my not my skin, my skill set, so that I can just offer the best services that there are to offer when it comes to your skincare. Um, I want to eventually add more service, add more services to my what's the word I'm looking for? Just add more services than what I have right now. So that's something really big that I would like to start doing. But that's just my short term goal. Long long term goal, I would love to start making products. You know. It's something that I really want to do is just make products that target certain skin concerns. And I would say that's about it. That's it for right now. Okay. Sounds good. Those are great short-term, long-term goals. And I have no doubt you'll make them all come to fruition. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. As we wrap up the podcast, I want to ask a million dollar question, Simone. Mm -hmm. I started this podcast to highlight the greatness connected to the city, whether you were born here or lived here for a significant period of life, be it college, military, or work, you being a hometown hero, I want to ask you, what do you love the most about your city? Uh, what I do love the most about my city is that there is a lot of culture in Montgomery, a lot of history in Montgomery, you know, home of the civil rights movement. Um, it's 
my family was born and raised here. So a lot of my family is here. It's just a lot of roots set in Montgomery for me. Yeah, powerful stuff. How can the people connect with you, Simone? What are your social media handles and website? So my Instagram is Precision Skin Beauty. And then my Facebook, give me one minute. Let me pull up my Facebook so I don't no, tell y'all the no wrong problem. thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my Facebook is Precision Skin Simone Davis. And then my website is www.precisionscanbeauty.com. Yes, ma'am. Too easy. And I'll put all this information in the description of the episode. Hey, Simone, thanks again for the conversation. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Good people. That concludes another dope episode of the Gumtown Podcast. In the meantime, in between time, y'all know what to do. Be blessed. Be safe. But most importantly, have the audacity to be you. Go on. Thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate your time and your attention. Until next time.